Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. There's a show called Schmigadoon that's out there. I, I recommend. I recommend. So this couple has gone on a hike, and they're out camping, and they wander through the woods, across a bridge, and they end up in a musical. And Melissa, very excited about this, loves it, having a blast. Josh, clearly, does not. And there comes a situation when they're talking about, you know, everybody keeps bursting in a song, and he's looking like, what is happening? And she says, Josh, you're in a musical. That's how musicals work. When you're too emotional to talk, you sing. When you're too emotional to sing, you dance. And Josh replied, what happens when you're too emotional to dance? Does it loop back around to talking? Because that's where I'm at right now. So while the show makes you know, makes a little lighthearted about musicals. It pokes fun, but it also loves them. So if you're interested in musicals, that is a show to do. Now, why I like talking about musicals, I may have done this before. I know, I know. But you will find it appropriate today, the musical as a genre, because like Melissa's character says, when you're too emotional to talk, you sing. And today, we're going to meet someone who sings the feelings that they have inside. Now, in a musical, you might burst into song for a number of reasons. Maybe you're finding your identity when you're a jet. You're a jet all the way from your first cigarette till your last dying day. You might sing because you're longing for something. If I were a rich man. Uh, You might sing because you're annoyed by someone. Loathing, unadulterated loathing. For your face, your voice, your clothing. You might sing because you're trying to stay positive. The sun will come out tomorrow. I decided to sing that one. It was the highest note we had. That was awful. Okay, you might also sing because you're angry. I love these lyrics in Hamilton. You and your words obsessed with your legacy. Your sentences border on senseless You are paranoid in every paragraph. And you might sing because your heart is broken. Without me, his world will go on turning. A world that's full of happiness that I have never known. Or you might sing when it's simply time for bed. So long, farewell, I'll be to sing goodnight. Okay, that one was better. I had to redeem myself. Okay, so did you know that people in Scripture actually burst into song sometimes? Like when there was a victory that the Israelites had over their enemies, Moses and his sister Miriam lead the people in song. Deborah and Barak, leaders, spiritual leaders, military leaders of Israel, do the same thing in the book of Judges. And guess what? King David sings. He even kind of took off his clothes when he sang. That was kind of crazy. And the Levites were asked to sing. And there were even choir leaders appointed to the Israelites. Cananiah, Jezrehiah. And when heaven is described in the book of Revelation, there's going to be singing, y'all. 
okay? So I feel like loving musicals is very spiritual. So join me today because we're in the Christmas season and we're going to meet someone who burst into song because of joy, because of God's presence in her life. We're in our journey of the redeemed and now we're in a section called Crown of Joy, Song of Praise. We're flashing back to Jesus' birth because that's the season we're in. So we save these scriptures for December. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 1 today. And Shantae is going to be reading for us. And if you'll begin by reading verses 26 through 38, and this is the New Living Translation. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel approached her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Okay, every year, you know, we, these scriptures might be familiar to some of us, and you hear it, and so it's kind of like, what do you take in this year? You know, what, what's sticking out to you this time when you read it? Because I do feel God's word's alive, and there's times when maybe it's my life situation, and I grasp something new, or maybe it's just God saying, look, look, and revealed something that I hadn't noticed before, or just the season and what it brings. So here today, I want us to look at three things from this section. So back in September, when we started this book of Luke, we started with John the Baptist. And I don't know if you recall, but Gabriel visited Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, to pronounce in a very similar way that he just pronounced to Mary, you're going to have a baby. An angel appears to Zechariah. But let's look at the two situations. Zechariah was a well-known, highly respected priest with a very holy job, and he was at the temple when Gabriel appeared. And yet here we see Mary, unknown. And some people think she may not have been very wealthy. She lived in the northern part of Israel, just like an unknown town, unknown situation in her home. So compare those two. Also think Zechariah, the miracle there was that he was old and that he didn't expect to have kids anymore. And here Mary is this young person, and we think that the time of marriage would have been anywhere from teens to early 20s. We've got Zechariah, and he, when he questions Gabriel, he hears the news, and he asks the questions like, how is this going to happen? And for some reason, he was told, because you asked this question, something was going on in his heart, and God took away his voice for a time. But Mary... She also questions, like, how is this going to be? 
So somehow we must think that her motivation was different. Maybe she was thinking more logistics question. I don't know. But she was not punished in any way for asking this question. Gabriel responds, and then Mary, Mary says, may it be as you have said to me. Now, sometimes there might be thoughts of like, how does this whole process happen? God coming and giving Jesus to Mary. And you know what? I always feel like it's not as hard for my brain to comprehend because I had two different friends on Facebook this week, randomly known in my life, acquaintances, two different parts of the country, both post that they are now pregnant through IVF, in vitro fertilization. And I just feel like, that concept and that discovery, that, in, that the way that people figured out how people can have children in this way, I don't know, it helps my brain comprehend, like, I don't know, maybe it's easier for us today to understand that a baby could be created and given to a woman, right? I think that's probably easier for us to comprehend today than it was back in Mary's time. But I think of all the different emotions Mary could have been feeling. I don't mean to be negative, But when I hear this news, I'm immediately like, okay, she's going to be shunned by everybody because she's going to have this reputation now that she had a baby outside of wedlock, and that is not a a great thing in her culture. She's going to have to go tell Joseph. What if she's worried about all that? Like, is that her first thought? Um, What if she's thinking about stress? Like, she's got to parent the son of God. No pressure. I mean, parenting is hard enough on its own. What if she even had a little bit of... I don't know, disappointment. Like she probably had imaginations for what her future held, what her life might be look like. This would change things permanently. So all of these things I think of, again, but we don't read that she says anything about any of that. She just says yes. And she could have had worries and fears and stress and concerns. We don't read about that here. Maybe she pushed them aside. Surely they came up sometime during this situation. But her response is joyful. And Mary was willing to accept humbly that she was going to be a part of God coming to earth. Let's keep reading in verses 39 through 45, please. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Three parts that I want to look at from this section of scripture. Last week, we talked about John. Remember, we saw the the end of his time in Luke. And we're flashing back to the very beginning. And he was said he was going to be a prophet. The one who would make the way, prepare the way for Jesus, the Messiah, to come. And I'm like, he's starting right here. Like, he's kind of moving around thinking, he's like, hey, mom, look, look. Like, it's his first declaration in the womb. And Elizabeth and Mary getting to be together, it just kind of clicked with me this week. Like, what a blessing that two women from the same family would have this 
experience, this miraculous experience, this angel visiting their households and saying that their babies would be coming. I mean, who else is really going to believe that? People might nod along, but like who else can fully comprehend what that does to a person? And I love that they have each other in this time especially to lean on, to listen to one another, to just share a joy and a comprehension that no one else is really going to ever fully grasp. What a gift that these two women could experience it together. And finally, what I loved hearing about Elizabeth, I always read her words, but when someone said she spoke a prophetic blessing about Jesus, it made me think she wasn't just a mom. God wasn't just using her to bring forth John. God was using Elizabeth as a woman, encouraging a fellow woman as they took on great responsibility together. She, God used Elizabeth to be a safe and welcoming space for the mother of God. And God used Elizabeth as a spokesperson on his behalf. He spoke words through her. It says the Holy Spirit filled her. God spoke through Elizabeth. He wanted her to speak something that we would read even today. And what I take from that, just from that moment, I think about that sometimes some of us can, we can kind of get stuck in an identity. Do you ever feel that? Like, it might be something you really wanted. Like, Elizabeth really wanted to be a mom. But then sometimes when you become that and you're just like, is that all I am? But Elizabeth was a mom, but she was something more. We might become a spouse. And you, yes, you're a spouse, but you're still you. You have a personal identity. You might want to become a grad student, a professional. You might want to be a boss. You might want nothing to do with a career or job to define you. You might want your hobbies and your passions to bring about your identity. And God, I just see him saying yes and, yes and yes. You can be all of those things. And he's trying to bring out the best, the best in them individually and the best of them all melded together. But ultimately, our identity as children of God, that gets to be the foundation of all of it. So whatever we become next, yes and. God will build on it not take away from it. Let's, before we get into the last section of scripture, we're going to finally get our musical moment. Just going to burst into some song here. But here's the challenge. Not my challenge. I was reading N.T. Wright. He is a New Testament scholar. And he's like, think about it this way. If you get some good news, think about what you do if you got something super excited. Like, would you start to just dance around your house? And maybe you start to sing songs that you like, little pieces of this, little pieces of that. You put it together. You take an old hymn and you add new words. Like, that's what Mary is going to do. These are going to be pieces of scripture. These are going to be the things that God has, she's learned and put in her heart her whole life. And she's going to sing about them. And she might be very rhythmic and clap her hands or stomp her feet. Like sometimes we think of it so solemn. Like Mary, she's chosen. She has to be this holy moment. She's by herself at Elizabeth's house. I mean, if I'm by myself, nobody's watching me. Please, I'm 
going to record this on YouTube. Guys, guys. But I'm just shaking. I'm dancing. I'm like, I got good news. So let's read her joy. Because she didn't just stand. I'm thinking she just busted out song. Okay. Verses 46 through 56. I've set you up, Shantae. Bring it home. <laughs> Mary responded, Oh, my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped the servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Again, Mary becomes a spokesperson for God here. And it's noted that a lot of people, when they're chosen, Peter, Paul, Stephen, it's like when they're chosen and then they make this declaration about God in this moment. And that's what Mary does. She's busting out song and she's remembering sometimes the way that she represents all of Israel here. Like, she's not just taking this personally. The first half of this section of Scripture, she sings like, God has done great things for me. And then she compares how God has moved throughout Israel, like that she is represented, all her Jewish people. So look at verse 48. It says that she's a servant of God. And then you look at verse 54, that Israel is called a servant of God. Verse 49 and 50, that God is merciful and does great things for generations. And 54 and 55, God remembers to be merciful to Abraham and to the ancestors before her. So she's going from personal to all of Israel. The second thing that Mary does in this short song is that she quotes Psalms. There's a lot of things that she probably would have memorized and sang in worship services. So if we compare verse 50, that God shows mercy from generation to generation, look at Psalm 103 here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children, of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. So she's probably got this song in her head, and she's remembering that generational mercy, and she's putting it in her song. And finally, this song is supposed to remind us that God has moved throughout time and he moved through a woman named Hannah. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah has longed for a child and then Samuel is born to her and she sings a song. And let's compare Mary's notes to, to Hannah's song. Hannah's saying, those who are well fed are now starving. Those who are starving are now full. He lifts the poor from the dust, the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes and places them in seats of honor. If you can see that Mary is reflecting back to Hannah and she's singing this song. And finally, as I read through this song, I was thinking about all the, all the assurances. You know, when I was worried about Mary being worried 
And I'm thinking, wow, she just responded so well. But here's why. I feel like when you read through her song, we see why she could feel so confident in saying yes to God's plan. Verse 48, she feels seen. The mighty one has taken note of her. You know, she knows that she's unknown, a nobody in her culture. Verse 50, she recognizes that God, he acts in mercy. And so this, even though this is mysterious, unknown, maybe scary, she trusts that God acts in mercy. Verse 51, God is powerful. So I'm guessing she's trusting in his strength to sustain her and Joseph throughout this time. Verse 53, she reminds herself how God notices and provides for the hungry. And if God is willing to do that, then wouldn't he provide for the needs that they're going to have to raise Jesus? The wisdom that they're going to need to parent? And finally, verse 55, Mary recognized she was one part of an ancient and eternal plan. Mary, she feels cared for. She feels protected. She feels loved and chosen and given purpose by God. That's why she sings. But do you feel those things from God? I know we're not being called to have miraculous babies here, but God has a purpose for us. Do you feel loved and protected by him? Do you feel like he's given you a purpose? Because he has. Ephesians 2.10 tells us we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God makes things purposefully. He creates us with things in mind for us to do. God formed us, loved us, redeemed us, sent Jesus for us. Therefore, we're part of an ancient and an eternal plan. So we can sing. How do we live on this journey as the redeemed people of Jesus? Let's sing. Let's live life as a musical and just burst into song sometime. I mean, you might want to be by yourself when that happens. That's fine. But sing to God. Sing about God. We sing every week here at Echo because that's a language that we use to speak about and to our great creator, our redeemer. We just want to sing. And you know what? Maybe why we like to sing, some of us, why lots of us like to sing, is because we are created in the image of God. And did you know he sings too? Psalm 68, it tells us to sing to God, sing in praise of his name, but it also describes him as a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, that God is in his holy dwelling. Look right there. He sets the lonely in families. That's us as a church family. He leads out the prisoners with singing. God's singing, y'all. Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. We're made in God's image and God sings over us. Don't let singing intimidate you. 
as Buddy the Elf says, singing is just like talking, except longer and louder, and you move your voice up and down. But truly, truly, even if you don't want to get on stage, even if you don't want anybody else to hear you, even if you just, you're sitting and taking it in, let music and lyrics, let there be a response in your heart to the things God is doing. And just as we studied in Psalms this past summer, sometimes that can be a minor key. We can sing when our heart is breaking. But sometimes, like Mary, it can be joyful and we can just be filled with God's spirit and let him know just how much he has done for us. I want you to know that you are chosen, that you were made with purpose. I don't want you to forget that you're part of an ancient and an eternal plan. So let's sing. We're going to close our time with singing. But before that, we're going to have a time of communion. Because we're going to remember that Jesus didn't just come as a baby, but his ultimate goal was to redeem. And he did so on a cross. And then he rose again. And we celebrate the fact that Jesus is ancient before time, and he's eternal, and he invites us to be part of that plan. Let's pray together, and we'll have communion. God, thank you so much for giving us music in our hearts and in our lives. And sometimes we, we join along and sing out loud like, a, like we're in a musical, and, and sometimes we just treasure things in our heart, and we take things in. But we thank you for giving us different ways to communicate to you and about you. And we, we just thank you for singing over us and giving us the ability to make music, to make joyful noises in celebration of you. God, December comes around every year and sometimes we can be ready for thinking about Christmas and sometimes we're not. Wherever we are right now, God, just... We ask that you make your presence known. Show up this week, Lord, and we'll treasure the time we have with you. We thank you for coming to earth to redeem us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m., You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.